0: I remember when JFK came out, I mean, I was a really, I was a kid and my parents rented it from Blockbuster and it was the first time I saw two (laughs) VHS's coming in the case. And it was like, Whoa, this is a big deal. Wow. This is pretty serious.
1: If I answer that question, you keep asking. I'll give you the name of the big enchilada, you know. Then it's bon voyage, Dino. I mean, like and I mean, like a bullet in my head. You dig? Does that help you see my problem a little better? Out of the
0: corner of my eye, I saw a flash of light in bushes, and then shots rang out. No cloak and dagger stuff, you know. They called it Operation Mongoose. It's gonna be okay, Dave. You just talk to us on the record and we'll protect you. And I guarantee it. You're so naive. You found us in your office. We you think the conference room is also above maybe the phones. I'm not cooperating
2: here. I'm not cooperating here. Listen, there's a death warrant for me. Are the same you gonna
0: kill us, Pop? Nobody's gonna kill us. Y'all gotta get into your minds how the hell the spooks think. they're not ordinary crooks think the unthinkable question everything now we're through the looking glass here people white is black and black is white
1: Alright boys, uh, welcome to 30 Years Later, uh, I am a, a COVID-afflicted host, Ricky Camilleri, as, Chris, as far, say hi.
2: As far as I know, I'm the non-COVID-afflicted host, Chris Chaven, but I haven't
1: been tested super recently, so, you know. And it's quite possible that uh, we gave it to you at our last Boy Scout screening last yeah. week. We, so. had a, we had a great it's screening at the last
2: Boy Scout that may or may not have given a
1: bunch of people COVID. Yeah, <laughs> where I was most likely a super spreader. Uh, And we are very lucky to be joined by a second time around guest, Brian Faust, comedian about town and host at Page Six, as well as uh, has a comedy show coming up next year at the Asylum NYC called We Will Turn You Gay. Brian, good to see you.
0: And we will. We will turn you gay through improv. (laughs) If you walk (laughs) in that door not gay, money back guarantee. I heard about this. Either
1: Either gay or angry. Which are like one or the other.
2: They were talking about this at Turning Points USA this week. This is a big (laughs) thing for them.
1: Uh, Tonight we're talking about, because it's the 30th anniversary of Oliver Stone's, uh, I think what some people would say his magnum opus, JFK, uh, released December 20th, 1991. Theatrical running time, 188 minutes. Director's cut running time, 205 minutes. I have seen both this year. Uh, so I, I, oh, I am God. somewhat of an authority, not really, though. Uh, get this so, this is a three hour and change movie about the conspiracy to assassinate JFK. The budget was 40 million dollars. It was released by a major studio, Warner Brothers. It grossed 205 million dollars at the box office. Um, can you imagine uh, a movie? doing that now a movie like this can you imagine anybody going to the movie theater to see this movie other than maybe me
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's fucking wild ricky and it is such a a tale of the goddamn 90s that a a fevered conspiracy dream in about eight different genres by oliver stone whose last movie was the doors which was good it was really good but in a lot of ways this movie is very very different than the Doors*. like as crazy as that movie is
1: to give a comparison for, for, it's not a, it's not a, obviously it's not, it's not a narrative fiction film with a cast of amazing actors, but a kind of conspiracy theorist, conspiracy laden. Um, it starts with a news serial, basically,
2: basically. <laughs> like,
1: right. But like contemporarily speaking would be like Dinesh D'Souza's Obama's America. Right. Right. Which right. made is probably one of the more successful uh, uh, of these outside of Fahrenheit nine eleven which I think Fahrenheit nine eleven maybe made 100 or two
2: loose change, but even that loose
1: change was a really big deal, you know. But loose change never went to the movie to the cinemas; it was right. always that, that's YouTube. A
2: YouTube. Thing, yeah, true.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you have but loose change is probably the the actual closest comparison to to this, and I think what you have with JFK which we'll get into is you actually have the roots of how all of those movies yes, yes. are edited and are made and what they look like with the exception of Michael Moore's. Those are a different beast, but um, really he's laying the groundwork for the kind of like American conspiracy theory movie documentary. Brian, the last time you joined us was for uh ski school. Yeah. It's, this, now, one's,
0: this one was a lot harder to follow. So, so the, and I and agree. The reasons- I
1: agree. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you remember the, the, the kind of impetus for inviting you on for this one, but mm-hmm. oh the, when we did ski, ski School, I apologized before you watched it because I had watched it first and I was like, Brian, I'm really sorry. This movie's like deeply homophobic. And then you watched it and you were like, no, it's not. It's just like a bro movie from the 80s. It's fine. It's not super homophobic at all. And so then I was like, well, let's get you on for a real homophobic movie. <laughs> let's do JFK. And so now that you've seen JFK was I right in 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 categorizing it that way or how do you do you feel the same way about this as you did about ski school in I more need, ways
0: than one <laughs> It's funny like you know you see these amazing actors like Kevin Bacon playing gay, you know Joe Pesci playing gay, uh Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones yeah. playing gay and you're and it makes me it made me think like oh my gosh Aaron Sorkin just made headlines this week for being like I don't see why Gay characters should be played by necessarily by LGBTQ people. Like (laughs) that doesn't need to happen. And it's like then you see a movie like this where it's almost like they tried not to cast any gay people. Like they went out of their way. And I was like, who would they have cast in this today? Would they? Would Andrew Rannells be like in this movie? Like who would they like? There's not even well Kevin Spacey. I guess if it was a couple years ago, right? Right? Would would he have
2: been the Tommy Lee Jones character? You know, but.
1: but Kevin Spacey was never out That's until true, yeah. I mean I guess amongst the people that he was working with he most likely, most definitely was. But I mean he wasn't necessarily like like maybe I, Zen, I don't like
0: Zachary Quinto could have played the oh, um, yeah. play character. Wasn't right? but
1: don't you think th- don't you think the fear of someone like Oliver Stone casting an actual LGBTQ person for those these roles is the kind of question that comes from when you cast like a woman to play like a a, a dumb woman on screen. She's going to be like, well, I don't feel like a woman would do this. And he's like, all right, all right, shut up, to, shut up, shut up. Just do it. This is the line. Yeah. You got to do okay. it. You know?
0: with that said the scene in the prison yard is a great scene. Like, with yes. Oh, it's individual. so good. He's so good. And like Kevin Bacon's such a good actor. And like, he also looks great. He looks like a prostitute. Like he's like, yeah, they, he's they have that of one like, wiry, shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like, Somehow he's allowed to wear his prison jumpsuit like half unzipped. You know, they're saying they are going to be attacked by a lot of different people. Oh, bring all those motherfuckers on, man!
2: Bring their college degrees in here. I got nothing to hide. You can't buy me. They can't buy me. I don't even need nobody... this damn parole. See, this yeah, about the truth about coming parole. out. You a goddamn liberal, Mister Garrison. You don't know shit because you never been fucked in the ass. There are
1: there are certain lines from movies that I saw at like too young of an age that stuck in my head for. Forever until now. And one of them is Kevin Bacon in the prison yard saying, That's why you a liberal, Mr. Garrison, because you never been fucked in the ass. (laughs) I saw that when I was 13, and I was like, and I thought it was the funniest thing I ever heard, and I've said it since. And as he's
0: walking away, Kevin Bacon's like, or Kevin Bacon's character's like, it's like, You look mighty good. It's like, yeah, he's he's fucking Kevin Costner. He looks this is the best (laughs) he's ever looked. Are you kidding? You look pretty
1: good, Mister. You look pretty good, Mister. Garrison. I might pay you a visit when I get out of here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's great. The Southern accents, as someone from Georgia, were just like a real treat.
2: Oh my God! Right, they were just amazing to listen
0: to. Especially maybe that's the whole controversy. They didn't cast a single goddamn Southerner. (laughs) No
2: Southerners. No. No gay people. Oliver Stone's like just regular people.
1: I would say that my my take on this movie is not necessarily when I refer to this movie as a as as a homophobic movie it wasn't necessarily for representational purposes it was because it literally lays The conspiracy of the murder of JFK at the hands of a few gay men in New Orleans. We're doing it for reasons that are never uh, even explored, you know? Almost solely for the purposes of, like, almost solely for the reasons of that. Yeah, they would, those homosexuals would get together and consort all these different ways. And then we literally have a scene of Joe Pesci. Pulling Tommy Lee Jones's like gold painted nipples while lion sounds roar in the background. So he's got a like collar and, then, and a chain and he's going like, and then, and then to top it off, like Kevin Bacon says when he's in the prison yard, fascism's coming back. And then when we're in that scene where like, Pesci and Tommy Lee Jones and Kevin Bacon are all, like, fucking and, like, smoking stuff and, like... Let's describe it. There's multiple people in
0: all gold. It's, like, they just came from, like, a New Orleans masquerade like, toga party. And this is the after party at Tommy Lee Jones's antebellum mansion. And they're basically having (laughs) the least sexual sex party I've ever seen. They're doing poppers and, like, pushing each other. That's what they're doing. (laughs) At one point... I think Joe Pesci is like the Dom top and he's like, yeah. he's like holding Tommy Lee Jones's head down against the floor and making him like lick something or he's smacking him or and something.
1: slapping his face. Yeah. But then it cuts to them in that same party, like laying around together in their gold and their painted outfits, watching triumph of the will. <laughs> Like that's the, that's the film that they're watching. And so then oh later God. on in the, like Kevin Bacon has said that fascism is coming back. And then later in the movie, when Clay Shaw, Tommy Lee Jones's character is on trial and Kevin Costner, this is the end of the movie and Kevin Costner is giving his closing argument. He turns to the jury and he says, this, it's fascism. It's fascism. And so, like, yes, he's talking about the government, but at the same time, fascism has, through images and <laughs> through That's who great. they're talking about, it's consistently been thrown at, like, gay men. So, clear, like, there's some sort of, like, weird sexual hang-up that I feel like this movie and Oliver Stone has about homosexuality. You know those, yeah. those gay fascists, Ricky. It's a famous stereotype of homosexual fascism. Well, cause like the the, li- the lion roar when Joe Pesci is like pinching Tommy Lee Jones's nipples, you know? Like, and it's it's just like they're, like they're like fascist animals and there's just something about the imagery and the way that he approaches it that feels like particularly like he sees it as kind of like decadent downfall kind of shit.
0: I mean, to me, like, and granted, we can get into the conspiracy theory, but for those who have never seen JFK, like the weak link in this, you know, conspiracy theory um, is basically a gay businessman in New Orleans who's you know, it's the 1960s, he's closeted. You imagine he's got get some sort of kickback from the government by allowing his shipping company or whatever to use his boat to get to Laos or something. Like, you know, there's some sort of he's like a subcontractor, no pun intended subcontractor. <laughs> he's like so a delicious a subcontractor that <laughs> There are, you know, thousands of them in Iraq right now, you know, and it's not like a, like a mystery. It shouldn't be such a mystery, but they're basically just a vulnerable community that the Kevin Costner character, who's the uh, uh, attorney general of Louisiana goes after because he realizes he can get them to squirm because they are easy to blackmail. They're easy to, um make nervous you know
2: and it's just like somebody whose identity he has you know so he's kind of and he has this leverage over them he imagines right
0: yeah i don't get the impression that they did anything but set up lee harvey oswald to be the patsy i don't think you know what i mean like in the movie i think they were just like the you know the chauffeurs that set him up i mean to be in texas that day you know or that month
2: the the like cabal led by tommy lee jones you mean or just like the yeah, government yeah. or you know like, yeah, saying, I don't talking think... about a movie like jfk and saying they it's very like who even is there's so many conspiracy prime movers in this
1: film you know what i mean it's very
2: confusing
1: i think very quickly let's backtrack and say uh, I don't know. I feel like, well, one, you yeah, shouldn't really right. be listening to this podcast if you don't know what Jay, if you've never seen it, because it's like, First impossible. possible. All... We're just going to cherry pick things that we want to talk about randomly. I, I don't think we really are going to go through. It's the a three plus hour movie that moves like a, that like really moves like a bullet through like just reams of information. So Does it's it like move impossible like magic to really. Bullet? <laughs> takes a lot much, of twists and turns a lot of twists Ricky, and turns how much of this movie do you think
2: is one person talking in a monologue about a conspiracy <laughs> theory
1: <laughs> i once i once watched this movie with a friend a couple years ago and she was like i feel like i'm just watching america's uncles yell at me right now i can't <laughs> deal with this
0: the donald sutherland monologue yes. is 15 pages long and it's just like you his character's like named x or whatever and you know like the creator of the X Files watched that scene and was like, "I got it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's. I mean, this is the beginning of of the yeah. the sort of mainstreaming of conspiracy thought. Of because, the X Files, like yes, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Deep state. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. what year? What year did the X Files come out? Chris, you probably it's like know a couple this, years later. Off the I top think. of your head,
2: I don't know. Maybe like 94, 95. Maybe ninety. Yeah, it was right around the corner. Yeah. And ninety three. Yeah, ninety three. I think it
0: definitely came after Silence of the Lambs because the Chris Carter, the creator, (laughs) like wanted a Jodie Foster type, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he wanted someone older than Gillian Anderson, but the studio was like, no, this, this 18 year old's good. (laughs) It's crazy
2: though, because they just made her look like she was 30, which is what I assumed my entire life until about a year ago. You know, I always, I always thought she was 30. Yeah. No, I mean, Ricky, it is so interesting, like the way this movie interfaces with conspiracies. But were you gonna give just like a quick plot summary? I mean, the plot summary is there is an American yeah, I was president give a, called JFK. I was gonna give a and,
1: you know <laughs> There's a there's a there's a New Orleans DA named Jim Garrison that Kevin Costner plays, and he gets a whiff that there's a big a larger conspiracy behind the the assassination of JFK and a few years after the assassination and the Warren report comes out. He starts investigating, and he finds that through uh, a series of uh, ne'er-do-wells in New Orleans that there's an intelligence operation or was not an intelligence operation in New Orleans. And uh, he starts sort of pulling the strings uh, in that story, and it leads to more more, and different people. And then he prosecutes Tommy Lee Jones, a local homosexual businessman, <laughs> uh, for for conspiring to kill JFK. <laughs> and And my favorite like one of my favorite parts about the movie is the the, is during the prosecution of of tommy lee jones so so little of it even on its face has to do with tommy lee I i know and what he has to do and i don't feel like the movie hides that because it keeps cutting to people listening intently but like not like but confused not, yeah. but like but like kind of confused like yeah like like they're like oh it looks like a conspiracy but i'm not sure why i'm yeah, here I'm like for what this. is it exactly
2: like, is this guy charged with i'm not really yeah, <laughs> and, it, like,
1: and you know and it immediately
0: yeah it, it, it immediately cuts to, to a juror
1: <laughs> yeah a juror I mean, I immediately it. afterwards it's like and in reality apparently they uh like the jury found him, found him innocent in like 15 minutes,
2: <laughs> They were
1: like, you know, go, go talk amongst yourselves. And like, no, no, we got it. We got it. We it's got fine.
2: it. Yeah. this guy. I mean, I love it because in the, before the trial even starts there, you know, the movie it's three hours long. This is like two hours and 20 minutes into the movie. You're so steeped in the JFK conspiracy at this point. But even at this point in the movie, it had, there's this big meeting of all the DAs and they're all saying to Kevin Costner, what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, what are we doing? We're going to court with this? This is all nonsense, you know. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, thanks for reminding me, movie. I kind of forgot." Like,
0: you've got Jack. How much did you Ro- love? Uh, she's there.
1: I was just gonna say, how much did you love Laurie Metcalf's like, like Butch performance? Like, hang. Oh come on, boss! Oh, no, that's not what we're doing over here. Oh, you know what we're gonna happen if we do. Oh, that's not right. Like she just <laughs> she keeps... brought the
0: Steppenwolf Theater Company to the screen.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, great. She and then... the assistant attorney general. Yeah, something. Like
1: yeah, that, I think maybe. one of the assistants. And then throughout this whole movie, we've mentioned some of the cast, but yeah, you have Kevin Costner, Kevin Bacon, Tommy Lee Jones, Laurie Metcalf. Gary Oldman as uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, Frank Whaley in a brief part as the Lee Harvey Oswald doppelganger, Uh, Michael Rooker as one of the assistant DAs, J.O. Sanders, Sissy Spacek in what has to be like the maybe the most glaring obvious like woman at home by the phone oh my god right <laughs> burden burden to the man
0: trying she to do literally, his job in this movie she literally so she
1: says like sometimes i think you
2: care more about jfk than this family
0: <laughs> uh, but the scene of her on easter i related really hard to that cuz it's like she plans this easter lunch at antoine's which is a famous like new orleans place and which is like such a bad idea. It's like why do you, you have five children, they're all under the age of 8, and you planned a restaurant for Easter dinner and then he's like, "Honey, I don't even know we had a reservation." And she's like, "How dare you?" She goes anyway, and then they cut the my favorite shot of the entire movie is her sitting around a table while her kids are screaming. They have a close up of one kid just like a 2-year-old just crying. And then the bad, the oldest kid who's a terrible child actor. He goes, "Where's Daddy?" The the
1: the the older kid, Oliver Stone's son.
0: He's the worst. He's terrible in it. Very bad actor.
1: He's in um. He's in Natural Born Killers as well. He's Mallory's little brother in Natural Born Killers. Well, you know, yeah, he's
0: not very good. Maybe they could get around child labor laws.
1: (laughs) He's yeah. Dad,
0: Daddy, are you gonna go away because of JFK?
1: He's no Matt Weiner's
2: son. I'll tell you that much.
0: You know. Oh yeah, that kid's great.
1: I love like this movie hates Sissy Spacek's character so much that there are moments in the movie where they have they have a a black maid who I believe's name is like Hattie or something like that. Just something like so obvious and like. But like there are moments where like Hattie's crying because like JFK has just been assassinated or something.
0: Or Sissy's face is like what RFK? RFK. Oh RFK. It was RFK or MLK.
1: oh oh, yeah maybe it was mlk someone had just been assassinated and because you see hattie see both jfk and uh mlk uh or just sort of like you know witness in some capacity and he she she's like crying a little bit and she goes hattie get a hold of yourself let's fix dinner (laughs) (laughs) and it's like right after mlk is that and then there's another scene where like she's sitting at dinner and hattie's like Giving them all, giving them all their meals, and she just Sissy Spacek just hands one of her kids to Hattie, and it's like, take, take her away, take her away. Like the movie is, like, it's like does not like Sissy Spacek, but I think my favorite part involving Sissy Spacek is that she's a doubter, she's a, she doesn't believe her husband, and then Ara, and then RFK gets gets murdered, and he goes upstairs and he tells her, honey, they shot Bobby. She goes, Bobby Kennedy. And she she gets up from her sleep and she goes, both brothers? And you see it on her face. You see it on her face, and she goes, Honey, you were right. You were right all along. And then they fuck. That's (laughs) right. And then they fuck. Oh my god. And if you if like that's the first time we've seen them be intimate since he first started working yeah, right. on the, like the second Jay, scene of the movie, yeah. Which doesn't yeah.
0: make sense because there's five damn kids in that house,
1: right? So they were they were you know. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't
2: passionate. It was dutiful, you know, and it
1: wasn't worth showing on screen. <laughs> he's always yelling at her. He's like he's like a, if you want to live with your head in the sand, honey, you can do it. But I my, my eyes are wide open.
0: But this Can we talk scene... about Kevin Costner's accent. Oh, so yes. please. oh please. yeah. He really, it's a dustin. It's just a dustin of Creole, you know, like he just gets real lot with it. But he's famously <laughs> bad at accents and like was panned oh. in uh Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood. Oh right. Doing yeah. like a British accent sometimes, but maybe like halfway through they just were like. Kevin, we're just going to nix the axe.
2: Apparently it was, we well, the did story this movie. Was... yeah, right. Apparently it was a fight and between this... him and the director. They, the director was begging him not to do it, and whenever he got mad, he would do it
0: in a scene,
2: oh. <laughs> like, to, as a no, fuck no. you to the whole movie.
0: Yeah. It's so bad, yeah. <coughs> I mean, New Orleans is like an easy accent. You, like, land in New Orleans, and you pick it up in the cab ride to your hotel, like... Yeah. It is fun. It's sticky. You yeah, know. I just
2: listen to a lot of Harry Connick Jr. records and like I can't stop talking like that,
0: <laughs> you know.
1: Well, interesting interesting thing about Harry Connick Jr., his father was the assistant was the district attorney following Jim Garrison in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's so fucking crazy. Harry yeah. Connick
1: Sr.? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I believe so. Something like that.
2: Sure. <laughs> i'm just dying for this to be not even close to true which would be very fitting for this movie i feel like because the movie does just like deposit shit you know and it doesn't
1: yeah it yeah doesn't... yeah yeah. he served as the district attorney of the parish of new orleans um from 73 to 2003 73 to 2003 oh for, for 30, 30 year. fucking years for the entire
2: of career of harry connick jr
1: <laughs> yeah do you I'm think Harry of... Connick Jr. like use that? Like, you know who my father is. <laughs> when like, who and there's like the the district attorney in New Orleans. Okay, we can do anything we want down there. <laughs> He's
0: so <laughs> charming; he doesn't have to do anything.
1: Don't you all know who my daddy is? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, it was so Ricky. This scene you're talking about about this, um, the like him waking her up to tell her that RFK has been shot. I I love this scene actually because. It was one of the many scenes in the movie where I like to think of it not... I I like to think not that I was watching this film about this guy who's involved in the JFK assassination that's called JFK, but I like to just think this is a guy who was so obsessed with the news that he went to wake up his wife at, like, 2 in the morning, you know? Like, during the Trump administration, he would have been, like... They got him. They got him. They indicted. <laughs> they indicted. Well, I don't know, like <laughs> Steve Bannon. And she like, says, "I." And she's like, "Steve I, Bannon." I, they indicted him, and he's like, "Yeah,
1: it's all coming down. It's all coming down, baby." You know, I I don't know. I think I I I do think that RFK getting shot live on TV would be like worthy of a wake up. Like, holy fuck! Like. The, the country's on fire. This is insane. But like everything during the the majority of the stuff during the Trump administration that husbands were waking their wives up for was like trivial and insignificant and they shouldn't have done that. But Wait. do you know what
2: I mean? But do you know what I mean? It's like this way that this movie has where it's like occasionally the movie allows you to see that this is just an insane person who is obsessed with conspiracies. Even though I think textually the movie, like Oliver Stone believes the things in this movie, but I think somehow he's made a movie where this guy
0: also seems to be insane. You guys, we just have to wait till 2029 when the the documents, the CIA documents and the FBI documents from this are released. I, mean, I bet I,
1: they don't get released. I bet, I bet they find some
2: fucking reason, man. Would.
1: I, I'm, I, I don't think they... I think they will find a reason.
2: I don't think they'll release it. Superman's never going to the public domain. They're never releasing these fucking records, man. You know. I don't care what the law says. Do you think...
1: I mean, do you
2: think they'll actually release them? I don't think there's anything to like what what exactly do you think they're going to release? This is the thing. Like, I mean, let's get into it, boys. We're dancing around the issues. So this movie is about this crazy conspiracy theory about JFK. Well, the Pentagon
0: papers were public, you know. Those were released. Like, we basically learned a few years ago that that multiple administrations across political parties like perpetuated the vietnam war right right kept it going like we we learned that through the pentagon Papers. well that it was interesting
2: too because that didn't one change of the, anything but but that's one of the things about this movie is it's it's saying that like oh they went after jfk because he wanted to end vietnam but we have learned in the years since that in fact jfk was extremely horny for going to war in vietnam and didn't have a problem with it at all right this is one of several things in this movie that are like turned out to be completely not true
1: Yes, but back up. There is evidence as well though that the CIA was trying to assassinate Fidel Castro. Oh yeah, that the mafia yeah. that the that the mafia was involved in that plot. I think San Giacomo himself had said that he was yeah. he was trying to poison Castro. Um and the CIA had assassinated several leaders prior to this. Uh, yeah. So that's not to say that specifically the CIA did this or the, specifically the mafia did this, but I think those, re- those records going back to those records, one of the reasons that they're still being held, why presidents, pre- Trump actually campaigned on releasing those records. And then when he became president, he was like, i eh, actually, I don't think so. Uh, and Biden has said that he's not going to release them either. And one of the reasons that they're not going to release them, I think is because it does paint the CIA in a particularly negative light. You know, it, it doesn't, it probably doesn't say, look, yeah, this, I mean, I would be surprised if it said like, you know, CIA d- director says, yes, kill Kennedy and signs on the dotted line. Of course not. But what I will think, I, I mean, it will probably show communications. It will show some sort of verifiable fact as to like how they were running weapons into rebels in Cuba, well, how the mafia was I think everybody involved, knows how that. I
2: mean, how, like the Bay of, whole Bay of Pigs thing. I mean, that, that's more or less in the public record now, right? I mean, yeah, that's all true. And, Except it was kind of Kennedy was very, very on board with it. I love that they say in the movie, like, oh, he wouldn't give it air cover. Like, that's because he hated the whole Bay of Pigs thing. It's like, no, it's just because the Bay of Pigs had, like, spiraled out of control and was such a fucking disaster. And he knew that it would be, like, an, a, like a nuclear war with Russia if he, like, flew planes over Cuba. But he was, I mean, JFK was, like, a guy in the early 60s. Like, the first James Bond movie had come out. Like, he fucking loved the CIA. He thought all that shit was cool as hell. <laughs> And I mean, I think this is all stuff that's in the public record now. And this one of this movie's big theories is like he wanted to like end covert operations, which is basically the exact opposite of the historical record. As far as
1: I know, you know, but he had also fired Alan Dulles like he had tried to do, put together a big yeah. shakeup at the CIA. Yeah. But,
2: you know, it's just because he liked him and his brothers to be running everything. You know, it was not that he wanted to end the CIA. He just wanted to do what he thought was cool stuff. He was. He loved all that stuff, all that stuff they did to Fidel where they tried to put like poison in his cigars and that, that thing they mentioned in the movie about trying to make his beard fall out, that's a real one. They really did try to do that. Um,
1: yes, that is a real one. I love that they put it as Pesci's idea though. I know. Like that's a real thing that the CIA tried to do but like they, they're they like, how can we get this in the movie? And it's just Pesci and like a drugged out ramp being like, we'll make his fucking beard fall out. That'll teach him. Ha ha ha. Like, that's like
2: <laughs> a real so thing that the
0: government tried to do. You yeah. Know? The Joe Pesci character is so good, but it's oh just Joe Pesci with a toupee and drawn-on eyebrows. Like he <laughs> made the least effort to disappear into this character. Like, <laughs> he... but,
2: but what strong choices! Like, they're like uh, this must be based in reality. Is that's what this guy looked like? Because it's oh, such an insane. Insane, yes. insane idea. Yes,
1: yeah, that is what he looked like. You can you can you can look him up. And if you saw the Irishman there's a scene in the Irishman where um, Robert De Niro has to go deliver weapons um, to, to, to Cubans. And Joe Pesci is telling him who he has to go meet first. And he goes, you're going to go down to new Orleans. You're going to meet a fairy named fairy. And he pulls up and like a little guy comes walking up with a wig and, and drawn on eyebrows. And he goes, park over there. You listening? Park over there, <laughs> it's like and it's Joe. It's just like a little nod to JFK. I think so funny. Oh, oh my god, that really... oh,
0: you think that's like the most.
1: Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I'll> be, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's oh, great. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, but yeah, it does feel like um... just, as, as like just a, a film lover, like every scene, <coughs> another character actor comes in and you're like, oh, it's that guy. Like, yeah, yeah, this movie's fun for that reason. Like, you know, the whole time you're just like, just one great character actor after another.
1: Well, some you know, sometimes when people who haven't seen this movie and had you seen this movie before, Brian?
0: No. Like, so, I, think, I think I watched it like in pieces when my parents watched it, but I probably wasn't allowed to see all of it. You know, yeah.
1: I'm I'm curious what you think of it as just sort of purely entertainment value, because it's always been something that I've told people like, oh, you haven't seen JFK? Like, it's great. You should see it. It's so much. Yeah. It's like. You don't, and people are like, really? It's like three hours? It's like the JFK Kagan sounds so boring. I'm like, no, it's it's really fun. Like there's something about it that is so thrilling and fun. And I'm wondering if you, if I'm wrong in telling people that and you didn't feel that way at all.
0: No, like I remember watching like any given Sunday, like I didn't have like a good feeling about Oliver Stone, like going into this movie. And now I'm a fan. I'm like, oh, he just did, he just, you know, Really did his thing on this movie, <laughs> like all yes. the cutaways and ridiculous like close-ups of like the Kennedy headshot with the brain. Oh my god! Out. Over
2: like, and over again, right? Over and
0: over. It's like he just knew the movie he wanted to make, and the you could just picture him in the edit bay, like slicing and dicing, and just he wanted to create that effect. And like, yeah, if you're trapped in a movie theater this movie would probably have had a different experience than like being able to pause it whenever you want, you know, yeah, like right. I think Twitter, if it came out today, like Twitter would have eviscerated this movie. Oh my it's like, well, potential. No. I and, mean, you yeah. could
2: not possibly, you could not possibly make this movie today. No. Um, they
1: actually, it's one of the first in terms of the edit, like it's one of the first movies that actually transferred the film to video so that they could, they could cut on video first because they knew yeah. that they were going to want to do like all these different cutaways with all of these different, uh, um, all of these different uh, mediums, you know, super 16, super eight, 35 millimeter. They were going to be doing all these things really fast. So they transferred everything to video and chopped it up and then transferred it back to 30. I don't know the exact process, but wow. I do know it was one of the first movies to do it and it required like multiple different kinds of editors they had to bring in commercial music video editors on top of their 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 movie editor so someone was in charge of story while someone was in charge of like putting together these like, like rapid pacing. fire yeah, cuts right. and how to do it yeah well, it is so interesting so, i
2: thought one of the things that was really interesting is like the way parts of the movie are like an mtv like you know oliver stone you know 90s movie natural born killers movie but then parts of it are like kind of a very traditional 90s adult drama like all the court, like a lot of the courtroom scenes and and occasionally in the in the Garrison home it'll be like you'll realize all of a sudden that you've been in a, lo- a wide shot for like a long time for like an entire scene and it's so it's almost like the last hour of the movie is is cut like that whereas the first 2 hours are more like MTV Oliver Stone like video effects all that kind of stuff
0: yeah there's like a great wide yeah. shot of in the family home where Kevin Costner's character is like just talking and it's him from the back and he's just feeding the dog with a fork at the table. And it's like little touches like that. I just have so much respect for, you know, like they probably shot that scene and it just felt so dead. And like, Oliver's like, bring in the dog, (laughs) the dog. I don't know. Like, it just felt like, um, One, it makes you like the character because he's literally just feeding the dog like mashed potatoes at the table. (laughs) Um, But it's just like a great little, like things are happening in the frame all the time.
2: Yes. And actually,
0: unfortunately, HBO Max letterboxed it wrong and a lot of the uh, shots were cut off.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Is that true? Yeah. In the, um, well, at the end when they're explaining like what actually happened, like the text is literally cut off. I really You're right in the Washington scenes because they had these really wide shots of the Washington monument and the bench and the characters were literally off, like cut off on the frame. So,
1: Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, in terms of other character actors, sorry, I'm jumping, but I just remember this and I don't want to forget. We didn't even really go through the list that well because we've also got Jack lemon Ed Asner, oh, yeah. Walter fucking Matthau, John fucking Candy. John and um, oh, who who dares do a John Candy oh, impression?
0: Well, this is like this John is, Candy's character is like a beat. He's like a beat mech.
2: He keeps saying Daddy O. <laughs>
0: and he like, wears sunglasses. When it. I go down to the jazz club, they're only the cool hep cats I'm going to see. You, it's like you a, understand,
1: Daddy I gotta look so up a, a couple of John Candy quotes.
0: Sunglasses, it. you know. Like. Oh, so good. They also you're put, trying to look into the whole entalada <laughs> so stuff like that. So much makeup on him too. He's like glossy. It's great.
2: It's also really interesting because I think like for the career that John Candy had and the like, what a what a great performer he was. There's not that many like all-time classic movies that people still watch today that he is in. I think other than Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and Home Alone. Like he's Uncle, in Buck? Uncle Buck. I don't know. Do people still watch Uncle Buck?
0: I don't know. I love Uncle Buck. That's like so funny to me.
2: I mean, I think Uncle Buck is a really good movie, but I guess what I mean is he doesn't appear in a lot of like all time drama films. So it is yeah. kind of a treat to see him pop up in this movie.
0: Like... Oh yeah. It's totally, he's, he's the most absurd character in a film with tons of absurd <laughs> characters.
1: Here's two, here's two for you. You got the right ta ta, but the wrong ho ho. <laughs> Here's another one. Then it's bon it's bon voyage, Dino. I mean, like permanent. I mean, like a bullet in my head. You dig? <laughs> you dig? <laughs> oh. Oh, oh man, God. this is. Oh, does that help you see my problem a little better? You're a mouse fighting a gorilla. Kennedy's dead. Is the is that crab meat? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I don't understand this quote. I don't remember it from the movie, but it's this is a I'm reading it online. It's elevator didn't go to the top floor, but tits could smother gumbo with it.
2: (laughs) What? What the fuck? What? I I don't either.
0: I have no fucking clue. I feel like it's like a New Orleans AI phrase generator. (laughs) What's that? <laughs> I could get on a swamp boat and eat your jambalaya, but Missy, I wouldn't do it in an upground grave. Like, wait, Greater my
1: gator might growl, but that's not a beignet. <laughs> I gave him any I gave him anything that popped into my cabeza. But Ed Ed Asner and Jack Lemon as a drunk duo in the beginning of the movie, uh fighting Ed Asner is this like Ed Asner pistol whipping Jack
2: Lemon is in the first like five minutes of this movie. on! <laughs>
1: You're going through my files. You're going through my files. I know you're looking at my files.
2: Well, I, 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 my, I don't know what you're talking
1: about. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, no, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I've seen some things. I've seen some things around. I, you know, I, I mean, although I've been around here. You're going through all my files? You're going
0: through your Why do you know what I want to look through your files? Gee, I've seen enough here this summer already to write a book. I always liked my
1: files. You're the only one here today.
0: What do you mean? You've already read a book?
2: Well, no. I mean, well, you you know what I mean. We've seen a lot of strange things here. Strange
1: people. Uh, No, but I think my favorite part about that relationship is that when we when we meet Jack Lemmon again later in the movie, and he's telling the story of his and Ed Asner's like friendship, he goes, "Oh, well, you know, he you know uh, he passed away uh, a couple of years ago." And and uh, Kevin Costner goes, that's we heard about that heart attack, right? And he goes, oh, if you want to believe what you read in the papers. <laughs> and, like, it immediately poses this conspiracy that, like, Asner's character, because he was involved in the conspiracy, was, like, murdered by the CIA. But, like... The character that we met is a drunk, like way overweight old man. Where heart attack is the most believable oh cause of death. He's possible on the verge of guy. death, like every second that he's yeah. on screen. <laughs> so for someone to be like, if you want to believe what you read in the papers, it's like, no, I believe that. That seems totally plausible. Yeah, yeah.
0: He seemed that like he out. was going to kill himself beating you up, like. <laughs> Well, they even throw it in with the autopsy at the end credits in the the uh, epilogue or whatever, that that's the Tommy Lee Jones character dies of lung cancer. And it's revealed later that he was actually a CIA uh, subcontractor or whatever. And they're like, and there was never an autopsy. No, it said an autopsy was not allowed. It's like, would you do an autopsy on a person who so clearly had lung cancer? Yeah,
2: right. A person right. who'd been in a hospital coughing up blood for like a year and then <laughs> they died of lung cancer.
0: Like, oh, it's suspicious.
2: Uh, well, this is like, I mean, Ricky, I don't know. Do you want to like, just kind of do talk, talk about the questions now a little bit. Cause I do want to have a long discussion about my favorite thing in the movie.
1: Uh. Yeah, I was just trying to find some of Walter one some of Walter Matthau's quotes as well because he has some pretty great, pretty great, pretty great quotes when he's on the plane. Some like good Southern sayings, you know. He's like he's like that magic bullet. They want to say it went in here and went out there. That dog don't hunt. And then he's like he's like they said that that boy fired all those shots from that book's repository. I heard he's got Maggie's drawers. That means he can't shoot. <laughs> Something like that.
2: <laughs> I mean, that dog won't hunt is a real phrase. That's a real <laughs> phrase, as I'm sure you know, Brian. Right?
0: Oh yeah, I've heard it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: dog won't hunt. Yeah, it's a really good um, phrase. Actually, I really like cool. that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can we can move into uh, into into the questions. Yeah. So
2: every episode we ask three questions at the end of the movie or at the, at the the end of the show. And the first one is really simple and we like to put it to the guest. Like Brian, what what was your favorite part of the movie?
0: You know, we've covered so much that I've already loved, but I think what we haven't talked about is like Gary fucking Oldman. Like all of the, little weird choices he made like solo on camera. Like he really did. I mean, he's the best part of the movie to for me. Like he's, if they like, so him just like by himself, like just, just the inner workings of this like weirdo that you really still, he's the biggest mystery of the movie, you know? And I, I just think Gary, to me, my favorite part is Gary Oldman. Like how come he's so compelling like
1: just the way like he's he's always sweating a little bit he's always kind of like like questioning and off and like mad
0: still, he drinks a coca-cola and it's just yeah. it's just one of the most interesting entertaining actors of our you know lifetime he's so fucking good
1: yeah, and, I couldn't agree more. And I, I mean, when, I think when I first saw the movie when I was younger, the first thing that I was like always attracted to was Gary Oldman, because it's such a weird performance that you can't take your eyes off of, because you're not even really sure what exactly he's doing to like to be so compelling.
2: Yeah, and I think it's really, I think the movie has kind of an interesting approach to Lee Harvey Oswald, because if you accept the approach, if you accept that there's a conspiracy and he's the fall guy, then he's basically like a sympathetic character <laughs> And so that is how he is kind of portrayed very often. Like sometimes there's, this movie's doing things where it's like people are theorizing things and di- different, it's like it's like he gets to play six different characters depending on who's describing what Lee Harvey Oswald was doing. And I think he does them all very effectively. But But in general, yeah, he's kind of like, he seems kind of lovable, you know? Even when he stands up, punches a police officer in the face and then goes, I'm not resisting arrest! <laughs> you know, you're like... <laughs> You're like, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. You know,
0: yeah. They keep describing him as like not very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, should have cast a different actor. <laughs> yeah. He's <all> going right. <laughs> it. He's great.
1: Uh, not to break this conversation, uh, but I found a quote by Math from Mathau as Senator Long. And he says, uh, don't get me started on that. Those Warren Commission fellows were picking that shit out of pepper. <laughs> so there you go. That's a good one. Nice. I mean, that is good. That is good dialogue. Wanted, what, what can you say? And it's Maggie's drawers. His marine buddy said he got Maggie's drawers. He wasn't any good. That's the description of it. What? I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what the Who's fuck you're Maggie? talking about.
2: Leave yeah. you alone. My <laughs> drawers are fine. What's wrong with having Maggie's drawers? I mean, Maggie's farm. I don't know why I don't want to work there no more. But Maggie's drawers? <laughs>
1: uh so chris what was your favorite part uh or well, do you want me to go first no, because you have that. like a long thing that uh, you want yeah, to talk your about i think it's short way. yeah go ahead i mean my thing is not short because it's really hard for me to pick a favorite part in this in this movie because <laughs> i i've seen this movie so many times i love it so much i mean we've we've already talked about it but i do i do think my favorite part because it's i just think it's one of the greatest lines ever written in a movie which is Kevin Bacon saying, that's why you're a liberal, Mr. Garrison, because you've never been fucked in the ass. It's just no. <laughs> hands down, just like grade A, one of the funniest, best, most so, like Ricky, thrilling odd lines I've ever heard. One of the most thrilling
2: lines in cinema.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's like, it, it it like makes you stand up out of your seat and go, what? What did I he just say, say? Ricky, I what, would like to. Um, you
0: just tell me? I would like to unpack this line with
2: you a little bit, Ricky, because I would, what what is he, what is he expressing in this moment? Because he does, because from the way, from the way that he's saying it, it sounds like being fucked in the ass is bad, but we are given to understand that he is a homosexual. He enjoys having homosexual sex. One minute later, he's hitting on Kevin Costner saying that he wants to have sex with him. So like, what exactly does he mean by this?
0: I think he means getting fucked in the ass is an, is an act of manliness and it proves a conservative or a Republican in this in this world, because the Kevin Bacon character is also anti-black racist. He drops the He's N-word. a fascist. He's
2: a fascist. He's a Nazi, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But we get the impression that he says that a real man knows how to take it. Mm-hmm. And that these lily, you know, lily white uh, Democrats, these JFK sympathizers, they're not real men.
2: So he's saying they're not real men because they haven't been fucked in the ass. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay.
1: Cool. That's tough. Cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm with I'm I'm with Brian on this one. That's exactly what I thought. Okay. Great. (laughs) That's great.
2: I just (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I mean I I think that's a very interesting way to mean that, and I think it's super cool if that's what the movie meant by it.
1: What do you think it means?
2: Well, I think generally the phrase to be fucked in the ass, like you'll say like, oh, American Express, fuck me in the ass on these late fees. You know what I mean? Like generally it means like somebody doing something unpleasant to you and you're the victim of it. But yeah. I don't
1: think that's necessarily how a, uh, uh, a homosexual sex worker behind prison. Well, this would, is what would, I'm would saying. This is why it's it.
2: very confusing, Ricky, <laughs> you know, is because
1: what does he mean by it? And also what could he be meaning by it when like we mostly know conservatives as being anti anti anti-gay along with any other kind of anti marginalized group? So like why is it in this particular context the 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 gay community in New Orleans is fascist or like extremely conservative?
0: Like what is I mean, could it also be just like if you've never known what it's like to get fucked, fucked over, fucked by the world, then of course you're a liberal. Right. Well, no, see, that's what I think he time.
2: means. That's what I think he means is that. But then I think also he is someone that ostensibly, I mean, I guess I don't know what the, his route to becoming a hustler was, right? But from the <laughs> other things you see of him, it doesn't seem like he would think that was an awful experience, it, that he would use it the idiom in that way, you know?
1: it's also it's also prison talk like it's also prison yard talk like i think about like when i always think about when mike tyson first got out of prison and he was like getting ready to do his like first fight just out of prison and he was at the weigh-in and like the other boxers started talking shit and mike tyson stood up and was like crying you could hear him like tears in his in his throat basically and he said uh He said, fuck you, F word. I'm going to fuck you till you love me. And like, that's what he said at this like public weigh in with press there. And he was fresh out of prison and he was about to box this guy. And it was just sort of like, I, I just feel like it's like prison. It's like prison talk, especially for a gay hustler in prison. You know,
0: you know, speaking of Mike Tyson sidebar, he's doing like ayahuasca and LSD and he's like totally different person now. And he in interviews, he's not only like trying to promote um, psychedelics, but he says he's died several times awesome. in his mind and he's okay with it. I'm like, dude, you died several times in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Is he God. also like, I-, I died several times and I'm okay with it. Also, I depicted my deaths on these NFTs that you Yeah, can buy check for- them out. <laughs> I'm really happy to collaborate <laughs> with Sean Lennon NFTs. on these
2: NFTs. <laughs> Uh, Chris what's your favorite part well I mean so I I think this is an extremely dudes rock movie and this is the most maybe the most dudes rock movie of all time because it is the movie like textually and and it's so weird I don't know what intentionality level this is operating on but it's basically like conversations between dudes where they're telling you how important they are even though you have no idea who they are and believing them requires you to accept a whole new set of facts about how the world operates. But like the movie does it over and over again. So that some weirdo that you meet somewhere is like, eh, yeah, me. Ah, uh, yeah. The president used to pay me to try to kill Fidel Castro. And you're like, instead of going like, okay, yeah, whatever, dude. The movie's like, Oh cool. Tell me more. The president tried to pay you to kill Fidel Castro. <laughs> and it's like a series of encounters like this. Everybody that Kevin Costner meets, he, he, in- credulously listens to their stories about how they're the most important person in the world. And when the movie is not doing that, what the movie is doing is just only Monday morning quarterbacking. Like it's, it's only evidence of a conspiracy is like, well, if I was there, I would have done it like this. And if they didn't do it like that, it's because they wanted him to get killed. And like, I've had that conversation with so many people about so many things, like whether it's like how to put a box in a truck or like, you know, how to like, whatever, how to like hammer a nail. You're like, okay, buddy, fine. Like, I know that's what you think, but like, I think doing it this way and that's fine, you know?
1: It's kind it's kind of like when your boss at the at, at work does something that like affects you in some way and they haven't said anything to you about it you surmise or fantasize that like it is some malicious conspiracy that they're yeah. working against you in some way and then you somehow like get the courage to say something to them about it and for them they're like oh fuck i totally forgot i'm <laughs> exactly. sorry here go
2: ahead like oh okay, no i had no mistake. idea oh my god oh no but like the,
1: like the JFK assassination is like the <laughs> government's version of that where like because there were just like so many weird things that happened at the same time and like questions that weren't answered because they were just sort of scared of investigating it it's like you you can't help but be like oh there was malicious intent all the way up to lbj like, like the highest person in power had to be a part of this assassination mm, plot mm, when mm. it was more just them being kind of like oh That got out of hand. Oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't have done that. Didn't mean for that to happen.
2: Literally (laughs) one of the pieces of evidence that there's a conspiracy is the like cops in Dallas, Texas, arrests someone they suspect of murdering the president, and they didn't record the entire interrogation. And you're like, this is how they treat shoplifters, like much less someone who's like accused of murdering the president. They don't give a shit about following procedure. But in this movie, it's like, oh, well, you would only do that if you were part of a grand conspiracy. It's like, Oliver Stone, I have bad news for you about how the justice system works. This is how everything works so you all the
1: time. I think I I think what you're doing right now is you're you're forcing us to ask a more important question here, Chris, that I think you've been leaning towards yes, this entire yes, conversation, have, yes. which is that I well I'm just getting the sense that you don't think there was a conspiracy and that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. <laughs> Ricky, you know, I mean, I don't know, brother.
2: You know what I mean? I mean, as somebody says in this scene to Kevin Costner, like, how can there be this vast conspiracy when you know the 12 of us in this room can't keep a secret for more than 10 minutes? And that's just kind of how I feel about things. You know, I, I don't really think vast conspiracies are possible because... But I guess you could say we do know about it. Like they made
1: a movie about it, you know? We do know about it. Several of the people that were involved were killed in sometimes mysterious ways, sometimes heart attacks that were perceived as mysterious, even though they were great big fat men with drinking problems. That's what I think. I think, in general, a
2: conspiracy theory is honestly very touching and poignant to me because it's someone expressing a desire for the world to make sense and not having the courage to accept that the world does not make sense. And things happen for extremely random reasons, even extremely major things. And in order for their mind to deal with this, they have to invent someone whose intent it was for these things to happen rather than just like the world is chaos. Everything's out of control all the time. Nobody basically knows what the fuck is going on. And and I think that's very sweet. Honestly, I think that's very touching that people have that kind of feeling.
0: But don't we see that this is a very sloppy, failed coup d'état. Like, yes, Lyndon B. Johnson becomes president over you know overnight. The um, no one is brought to justice, but like from the movie, you realize that they there's all these eyewitnesses. There, it's yeah. so clear to anyone that examined it that there was more than there's more than one gunman, right? And I mean, even the the bullet is like. Looks like it hasn't been through a single body, you know, let alone eight different wounds. And so to me, it seems like I agree with you, except I, I don't agree that it's this vast, deep state conspiracy. I just think that he was um, an unpopular president. You know, razor thin uh, victory in 1960, had enemies within the government, outside of the government, you know, the, the more common conspiracy theory is that he, you know, was in debt to the mafia and didn't pay his, his debts. And that was like a, just a, but like, you know, that, that, that's the one I heard growing up, yeah, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 Cause um, they've right. the gave... election for him. Right. And then he
0: did. Right. Right. Yeah. And he you gave
1: know, Cuba and he gave Cuba to Fidel.
0: Right. But it is it, to me, I agree, Chris, the whole thing is very messy. And that, to me, is actually what makes it more compelling. Yeah. Rather than, like, this perfect, clean... Because it's true, the the whole, like, they don't want this to happen. It's like, well, who's running shit? Yeah, it's right. like, I don't believe that. But I do think it's just, like you said, things got out of hand. It got really messy. And, like, w- what the real story, you know, 30 years later, on the eve of a, of a failed coup attempt, you know, by... at the Capitol first anniversary Um,
2: of our, our most recent coup
0: attempt. Yeah. Like what we really learned is that like, these things are just really, just really messy. Mm -hmm. And like, you're not going to get a clean, you're never going to get a clean answer.
1: Right. Like with the, with the most recent coup attempt, there's like, a few dumb shits who work in power, who are communicating with some other dumb shits who believe in the same thing and have an army of idiots behind them who are willing to like, you know, g- storm the capital in the, in a moment of heated blind idiot rage. Mm-hmm. And in this, And in this conspiracy theory, I don't think it's the same thing, but I do think there are similarities in the sense where there are a few people in power who have a few extreme beliefs and they've got a few radical followers who've got other groups and everybody's kind of coming together in their own weird factions and they're circling around like one concept or idea that's been floated throughout these groups and the possibility of it. And they've kind of come to this one area to participate in it. And something happened and it probably went too far or further than than like others were expecting to go. And then they had to clean it up really fast. But this the is another thing I would cover say. Cover up
0: seems stronger than the government cover-up. Like the the media running the story, the biography of Lee Harvey Oswald, the photo on Life magazine, like I think the movie makes that case more compelling than the government cover up case. That the media just told this story without any real, you know, introspection or fact-checking. And that we have seen a a thousand times over since. We're just like, we want a public enemy. We want an easy story. It just, like, runs itself. And that's, like, just happens.
1: Yeah, my favorite thing recently with media in the past few years has been the, like, uh, the attacking of like Reddit sleuths and like sleuths online, which is like, sure, you know they shouldn't do that, but also like, who the fuck are you people to talk? You're always like <laughs> publishing pe- innocent people in the paper who oh. you are saying is are guilty and like, you know, tarnishing reputations that don't need that. Look, like, look, has look, come out look, yet. look,
2: look! I'm a big media boy. I don't agree with any of this. There's a big difference between professional journalists and some asshole on Reddit who thinks that he knows how to use Google. Okay. <laughs> I think the media I think is the, good. I think, I think everything you're saying is stupid, and the media is the number one think, thing in the I world. Think
1: I, <laughs> I think the only I think the only major difference is, uh, you know, e- personal ego and and connections. Right, the Reddit
2: person has a smaller personal ego. <laughs> is that,
1: yeah. Well, they don't really have the uh, they they don't really have the connections to assert that ego or or use it. We're professional journalists. Uh, do they have the sort of air of legitimacy behind them
2: yeah but that's because they often aren't saying things that are like actually true and not i mean i don't know you know ricky there's all kinds of people that call themselves journalists it depends on what you're talking about you know i think some of them are good and some of them are bad you know i think so
1: So you believe though that that oh and i also will say uh, one thing that we should be careful of is that um a lot of this stuff in this movie yeah well we can't take a lot of stuff in this movie as fact a lot of it is like almost uh, all of it isn't made up or you know proved no, to be this is not, since this, the the movie this, came out. this is this is not necessarily the case a lot of the movie is actually garrison and stone following up on the war on on the warren commission things that were in the warren commission that were not followed up on but there are a number of of speculations portrayed as fact in the movie, which is why so often you hear a character say they probably did this, yeah. maybe they <laughs> yeah, probably right. did that. Like they're always like, if, if it were me, if it was me,
2: I would have done, you know,
0: right. And there's even like, a moment where oh, I think are like how all the newspapers have the same photos overnight, according to the movie of Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, and that like, he became this, like his biography was instant fame. Now, that was probably over the course of several weeks. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and the and, newspapers you know, used
2: to publish, like, six editions a day. And, you know, one newspaper's like, they got that picture? I want that fucking picture. Put it in my paper, you know? Exactly.
0: Yeah. But they make it seem like that was, like, a um, like an email blast out to yeah, right. all the U.S. papers. I mean,
2: anytime I hear something about the media, blah, like, the media does blah, blah, blah. I mean, you guys have both worked at media organizations. Do you really think, like you your organization was going to do exactly the same thing as every other media organization at the orders of the government i mean
0: no 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 what i meant by the cover-up i think it was like a, i meant like a passive cover-up yeah like, was a compelling story that there was a lone gunman and he, he was caught you <laughs> saw him shot on camera right so that was the story
2: but this is the other thing i'll say about lee harvey oswald is like i was saying this to ricky the other day like sitting in 2021 i find lee harvey oswald to be a completely recognizable type which is like a frustrated ex-military guy who thinks he's important but his life hasn't really amounted to much and he is really into guns and he beats up his girlfriend and he does some kind of a murder like i think that guy does a murder like every week in america these days and it for whatever reason, at, in the 60s, it was more in fashion to kill one famous person and not like 50 random people at a mall or a school or whatever. So uh, to me, he but is that's... completely recognizable. Like this person exists and they do this kind of
1: thing all the time, you know? But allow but uh, allow me to pose this. That personality, that uh, that profile is also used... As the lone wolf to cover f- operations sometimes. I mean says, and I think conspiracies you, can you know, be drawn from you. that. Uh, well, like for instance, we don't for instance, I don't think we have all I mean, we can this is probably getting too far into it, but this is what this movie opens up. So yeah, maybe you know, I gotta flight maybe at maybe 7, 7 a.m. guys. I just want to point that. I'm <laughs> just gonna pref- I'm just gonna preface this next statement by saying what you're about to hear. Is really an example of 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 what this movie does to a brain. Also, Ricky has uh, COVID
2: right now, so he doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. Okay, <laughs> You're but the
1: but the but the Vegas shooter,
2: right? Well, yeah, that's the Vegas pretty, shooter. That's a suspicious thing to me. I don't know what the but, fuck was going on. With but that. why is that suspicious to you?
1: It just seems so odd. Everything about it seems very odd. Because it's just a but it's just a lone guy, right? I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I believe it. had lots of weapons, had a weird relationship with his, with his, with his wife centered of the Philippines the week before scoped out this, this, this hotel went up to the 50 something floor Mandalay Bay, broke out the window and fucking shot. Okay. 50 people, 60 people, 80 people maybe I think at, at a country music concert and there's no motive, but he fits a kind of profile that we're talking about. Right. Right. So what, I think what was
2: was weird to me about that was like the way that it kind of ended. It all seemed very strange the way that he like the cops were just like, yeah, he's dead. That's the end of it. <laughs> you know. And it was there was no well, bigger investigation into like you're saying, like who was this person? Why are they doing this? You know? I mean
1: No, there was, but they didn't they didn't come they just said that they didn't come up with anything. But like then I guess I do later. I
2: do believe that though because that's just this is what I'm saying, like life is chaos, events are random, people are unknowable, like things like this happen, you know.
0: I think the reason that story got buried is because of bump stocks. You know, the yeah. um he was able to kill so many people because he had this what, what I think should be a legal uh, accessory to his, you know, rifles. And I think the police and, our, and the NRA are a Venn diagram that's pretty much a circle and they don't want there to be restrictions, even though you would think that the law enforcement would want fewer um, assault rifles that could fire, you know, yeah, right. even faster. But I think that story got buried because it was a gun story.
1: Yeah. Well, I think also what you get what what often becomes conspiracies and what sort of sells conspiracies short is that they're always wrapped up in this idea of that like someone or a group of people at the top made a decision and then that decision was affected affected and carried out and that's what it was. When in actuality, usually what it is is kind of like a, a fuck 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 situation yeah, that I for believe. the people this in I charge, yeah. right? Like, like you think about
0: commerce, you think about that, people to not want to go to Vegas. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, you think about like the, Sarna, the Sarnaev the Sarnayev brothers, right? Uh, the older Sarnayev, the Boston Marathon bombers, the older Sarnayev brother was an FBI informant who had actually like killed somebody not, not too, not too long before the marathon bombing. And he was let go because he was an FBI informant. So when this happened, the FBI was like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, they had let this guy out on the street. And things like that happen yeah, all the time. That, that the CIA believe, has... Yeah. A- they, the FBI has informants and in militias, you know? Like, the, the and CIA they're letting their has informants assets do- all over the world. Like... Like they're doing more yeah, bad things than the
2: people they're supposedly informing on, you know, it's like kind of a, pass right. they're trying to, to
1: they're yeah. they're trying to set up scenarios where they can then arrest a the person that they think is a terrorist for probably maybe potentially committing a terrorist act in the future. And so like, and in the meantime, they're letting this informant
2: like sell cocaine and like, you know, run prostitutes for like several decades, Yes. you know, because they're like, Oh, we think he's going to help us catch a
1: terrorist. Like it's going to happen any day now, you know? Exactly. So it's like, you know, I don't know if that's what happened with JFK or even that's what happened with Vegas, but Vegas kind of feels Vegas feels weird. So you can just sort of attach any sort of any kind of conspiracy theory to that, that you want to.
2: So this is like, not to move us along gentlemen, but like this is the other thing we talk about is like, uh, what was the most nineties part of this movie. (laughs) And I think this is one of them. I mean, just to talk about myself, I mean the very specific way this movie interfaces with conspiracy theories which is this like this kind of insanely pure rebellious way of like they want you to believe this, but what if this was the truth? Which is such a cliched weird thing to say these days. But at, at the time of JFK, I feel like was almost brand new. I mean, like we we're saying, this is before the X-Files, which really popularized this point of view. And I it's just insane the way that this movie
0: Yeah, I think the Kevin Costner character, even though obviously he's not a Gen Xer since the movie came out in 91, like he's like, there's a line that he says that I laughed at. That's the most nineties moment where he's like, they did all this just because he was trying to change things. <laughs> <laughs> like what? It's like the myth. And it just, I was like, Oh, this I guy had, is protesting the presence of a Starbucks. At the
1: mall. <laughs> I had, what? I had, I had, I had no idea. Kennedy was such a threat to the establishment. <laughs>
0: and when in reality he's like a southern lawyer in the 1960s in
2: louisiana like how many people do you think this guy has railroaded to to go to jail how many (laughs) black men
1: has he many innocent black men has he put in jail oh so many he was basically known for like going down to uh, Bourbon Street and rousting up every, every, everybody on vice charges and like tossing them away. But then there's also a quote from one of his eight assistant DAs that said that he had a heart of gold and that as soon as like a relative of someone that he arrested got in his ear, he would drop the charges and let him go. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> well, they asked nicely,
0: what am I gonna do? <laughs> you know? It did make me sort of want to watch Yellowstone. Oh my I was God. like,
2: God, yeah. Kevin Costner, has got that little twinkle. You know, they say it's just like succession for
1: Republicans, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you want to watch a good Kevin Costner, and I'm dead serious oh, yeah. about this, Dances with Wolves it's so slaps. Good. It's so good, oh, yeah. dude. I love it's so movie. good. Um, um, so my, can I go with my yeah, most 90s thing? Yeah, yeah, please. So my most 90s moment of the movie is um, in the final moments of the movie, just before the verdict, uh Kevin Costner is delivering his closing argument, which I want to say before I even say my favorite moment, I realized the closing argument is like 25 minutes long. It's an extremely no,
2: large part of the movie.
1: Yeah. No music whatsoever. And I have to say, I was riveted. Like at a certain point, I was like in the midst of this closing argument, I was like, there hasn't been any music. We've just been sitting there and I'm, I'm wrapped up in this, which is incredible writing and an amazing performance on Kevin Costner's part. Like, I loved that sequence, but the final moment of it after he quotes, whatever, like a bunch of different people and he says, you know, the government is, uh, you can't trust your government. (laughs) Yeah, Kafka's the trial. Doesn't he quote Caesar there as well? Or is that when he's talking to Michael Rooker? earlier? Yeah. He must have felt like the Sha- protagonist of Kafka's The Trial. <laughs> you you read your Shakespeare, Bill, um, but he he looks to the camera and he says, "It's up to he said it's up to you or it's up to us." I think he says it's up to you, but he's supposed to be talking to the jury, and he looks directly into the camera. He breaks the fourth wall to say, "It's up to you," and you know, so it's supposed to be it's up to us, the audience, and that to me felt very 90s i think of spike lee and how he would break the fourth wall in the 90s and um it felt like a sort of big thing for like filmmakers trying to make impact to do in the 1990s not just necessarily like talking to the camera like ferris bueller style but actually like taking a moment to break the fourth wall to yeah, like right. drive the political point home. Something
2: about this, like the medium is the message kind of nineties thing, you know, where it's like, yeah. we're going to like, I understand that I made a movie that you're watching and I want to make sure you're not fucking missing the point. It's also very light. Like, it's very like MTV well, that's or a- something, you know, like,
1: I mean that's a very Oliver Stone thing which is like you know the, the point is driven home with a fucking sledgehammer like it's not, like you are like you're only missing the point of an Oliver Stone movie if you're fucking dead. I think you could be sleeping and uh, like you know osmo- through osmosis capture the point of the movie like in your
0: dreams. <laughs>
1: um, Brian, what's the the most 90s thing uh
0: about the movie for you? Oh, didn't I say the um I mean besides newman from seinfeld being in it (laughs) that
2: was also actually supposed to be my answer was wayne knight is in this fucking movie for some reason (laughs) like just for absolutely no reason wayne knight is there like
0: he has like two lines but he's in so much of it
2: yeah he's just kind of standing around a lot you know
1: well he's in he's in so many movies around this time wayne knight's agent was working hard he's in this basic instinct jurassic Jurassic Park, park seinfeld yeah
0: yeah he's great um he's also really good in the scene where they In the courtroom, visualize the magic bullet going through because they like stick it into his side, and he's kind of like gives his little face like, "Mm." (laughs) "The bullet go through my wrist, (laughs) maybe." (laughs) It does sort of take you out of it, though. There's two, I I think, like seeing like Jack Lemon. Like it makes you. There's certain characters like John Candy, Jack Lemon. You really can't see them as anything but performers.
2: They just seem like these actors, you know, having a. Fun doing a really silly character like yeah a
0: little david o russell aspect to it where you're like yay famous people let's do it put on wigs go
1: (laughs) yeah but i think i mean it's more like i think i feel like adam mckay is trying to be the oliver stone of the moment but with his like his um you know his humor um and i I don't think he has nearly the chops that i don't think the people at home
0: could uh hear the air quotes you just threw over the <laughs> microphone. His humor humor. <laughs> well,
1: I, thought, I mean I I love, you know, the other the comedies, um, the actual comedies. Step but I side. think that he doesn't like the thing that separates Oliver Stone and David O. Russell from Adam McKay is that um they're fucking madmen. Like they're absolute insane fucking people and i think adam mckay is just sort of like a like Like i think he's pretty brilliant comedian but i think he's also just like i don't think he's like them and like you know Oliver, there's a there's a profile piece a couple years later in the new yorker that comes out about oliver stone right around the time natural born killers is being released and he's psychotic he's like he's 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 literally psychotic he's on the edge he's always like like he's always on hunting for how to displace people, make things more chaotic, how to like, how to like become the show, like the center of the moment, how to turn everything into chaos and turn people on each other. He's total chaos agent. And so is David O. Russell. And I feel like that comes across in their movies where they're just throwing like every medium at you and everything is like, like hyper conflict at all times and driving things home. And McKay has like is trying to do that, but he just does not have that. He doesn't have it in his bones like they do. I feel like McKay's
2: pose is a lot more like, huh? These guys are nuts, right? (laughs) Like he, yeah. It's like he posits himself as the sane person in a crazy world, you know, which is not as compelling of a thing as being the crazy person.
1: Right, the the crazy person in a crazier world, yeah, which is exactly. Stone. <laughs>
2: um, the last question we ask every episode is um, a little convoluted, but it's basically like, what have we outgrown since this movie came out? It's 30 years old at this point. What's something that this movie could do that we cannot do? Um, and I'll start again with the same answer, actually. I just think you cannot fucking... The way this movie interfaces with the idea of conspiracies is like it has a lot to answer for. I feel like it's ruining it, the world basically, (laughs) because I I think watching this movie, it's like, it's like watching a QAnon thing. It's like watching the, the arguments that Oliver Stone is using for telling you why you shouldn't believe the things the government is telling you is, is literally no different from the things like, you know, yeah. QAnon people, Pizzagate people like, uh, I don't know. Proud Boys, anything you want to talk about? Like this is, this movie invented a way of thinking that is like infected the world and done immeasurable harm. And I think that it's bad. I think that it's really, really bad. And I don't think you could make a mainstream Hollywood film that had this point of view, not even close these
1: days. I agree with everything up until the point where you said it's bad. Yeah.
2: Well, I do think, I do think it's bad. I think it's bad. I think it was very harmful for the world. And I think this movie is bad. (laughs) So you think this movie shouldn't have been seen or made? I mean, I don't like to say that kind of thing, but do I think it has had a net positive or negative effect on the world? I would say it has a net negative effect on the world by a pretty
0: large amount. I mean, mm. It created a myth that countered another myth and, like, both seem like a piece mm. of fiction. That's, you know? you
2: know. Yeah. I agree. I do agree, but, like, I mean, I've talked on this about, about the show before, but, like, you know, I I... I think this movie inspires something like the X-Files, which is a great show. But again, like that inspired my brother to go insane and become a QAnon person. You know, this, this constant diet. I I, I think that you're giving far too much credit. I know. I'm I'm not somebody that is going to tell you like this move violent movie made somebody kill somebody. But I do think there's something in like, if being constantly told that like, you know, everything you're hearing is a lie. And that if you hear that enough times and you start to believe it, like it's you know. But I mean, you don't think you don't you don't
1: think, yeah. But you don't think like. So you think like JFK or the X Files is the cause of this, and not like a number of other like like really like structural issues that have to do with our government, have to do with our media, or like. I mean, the problem is that it's it's
2: believable, and the problem is that it's like not that far off from how the real world works. Right. You know, right. The problem is not JFK. The problem is the, the world. Right.
1: Right. Like, I don't think that JFK spawn, like, I mean, yeah, sure. JFK was kind of the mainstreaming in a lot of ways of conspiracy theorizing, we didn't really see that effect until JFK the movie was kind of forgotten. It's only in the last couple of years that people are really right. talking about JFK the movie again and it's mostly film people who are just like this movie's fun to watch and awesome. Conspiracy theorists, I don't even really feel like are like mainstream conspiracy theorists like QAnon people. I never hear them mention this movie. Well, I don't, don't think they're they, mentioning they, JFK. They talk about JFK Jr., but right? I think I think it pioneered yeah.
2: a way of interfacing with the world that is negative.
1: I think it pioneered a way of interfacing the world that was skeptical. And I think that that skepticism has unfortunately been uh, perpetuated by uh, the continuation of these things that developed that skepticism, right? Lies, extended extended mm-hmm. wars, wars over lies, a shrinking economy. Like all of those things have been Far more disastrous and consequential for the sure, red sure, pilling sure, of people's sure. brains in this country than Oliver Stone's JFK from, from 1991. What JFK probably did that was more influential, was it created an aesthetic Well sure. Or a framework yeah. for which, like other, uh, uh, other conspiracy-driven narratives could, could, could sort of use that model. To inform that sort of fast-paced propaganda, down footage, yeah.
0: And, yeah, 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 a new
1: form of propaganda,
2: and just kind of the way that it makes things seem true without doing anything. Do you know what I mean? But somehow it just makes things seem to be true that you might otherwise
0: not believe. I'm going to answer the question. Sure. Yeah, I actually please. don't yeah. think anything about the movie wouldn't be done today, <laughs> like. I I would say like oh I think we've outgrown the wife at home sissy spacek character but literally, what was that movie I was watching where Sarah Paulson was, Tom Hanks's wife about the Pentagon Papers? Was no. it? Yeah.
1: Are you thinking of Sully?
2: No. No. no, you- no
0: it's not about (laughs) the pentagon
2: papers ricky
1: i know but the post is it the post yeah the post so the post yeah yeah
0: the post has the sarah paulson wife character and she's like always cleaning up has no lines like i would say there's nothing in this movie that we have outgrown in 30 years i think this movie would completely with a different edit would you know like maybe slightly shorter or whatever would be totally a movie that would be in theaters i mean this reminded me so much of the um trial the chicago oh seven
2: seven yeah
0: i mean half of it was a courtroom drama like it aside from like you know the cutaways like it's pretty to me pretty traditional film and like i feel like the oscar bait movies would still look like this i don't know
1: yeah, I think, I think a big difference between like uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 and this is that like Trial of the Chicago 7 is like, I'm a hippie, man. I believe in peace. And like a character in JFK comes in and is like, I'm a hippie. I'm on
0: fucking acid and I'm fucking
1: everything. <laughs> 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 I like, think like they're just like a much different tone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again,
1: yeah. Oliver Stone, Madman. I mean, I think the big thing that we've grown out of is a movie like this making $200 yeah, million dollars at the yeah. box office. Like, no one... Like it's not one, it's not getting the money that it would cost to make a movie like this right now. I mean, maybe it would. I mean, maybe Adam McKay could 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 get it and like you could get the stars and stuff, but I don't think it would make, it would be on Netflix. And I don't know if Netflix would really, would they allow something like, like this? Because it is still pretty charged, Chris. Like you're saying, yeah. there are lots of things very quickly in it that people are going to say that is not true you know, and apparently there's a deleted scene that's on YouTube. I heard that I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. There's a deleted scene. That's a cutaway of like, you know, um, disguised men injecting Jack Ruby with cancer in prison. <laughs> a big Can bottle apply, that says right? cancer on it. And they're just
0: <laughs> <thinking>. <laughs> nice. But
2: then like fucking yeah. Putin injects people with polonium. He puts polonium on their sushi. Like that's real. Do you know what I mean?
0: And, like, we're in the middle of the Ghislaine Maxwell sex trafficking trial. The closing arguments were today. That will for sure become a Ryan Murphy American crime story in one year. And I don't know if it'll be that inaccurate, (laughs) you know, or that off from what we just saw, you
2: know? Yeah,
0: I don't know. Yeah.
2: I mean, I do. And I think, Ricky, what you're talking about, I mean, we say this all the time, but the way this movie was such a part of culture (laughs) that this conspiracy, insane, fevered conspiracy movie from Oliver Stone not only made a huge amount of money, but like the main way I knew about it for years was like jokes about it on The Critic, you know, (laughs) which is like.
1: (laughs) Oh, right. Like back into the left, back back into the left.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was just like... yeah when we were when, when we were watching it i started doing that you know when he was doing it mm-hmm. uh in the movie i started going back and to the left right <laughs> yeah, and i was yeah. like going like right 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 to, to my girlfriend and she was like what what are you talking like, about like it was just like a new yeah like it wasn't like this cultural like touchstone that that she had and i was like oh yeah okay yeah, i guess i'm kind of a weirdo that was yeah, okay i'm a weirdo yeah i was watching the critic all the time <laughs> you guys still have the dvds somewhere oh uh, it's a good show um Guys, I think we did it. I can Would you wrap it up. I gotta fucking
2: wrap Brian, it up, man. I, need- I gotta fucking pack my bag and go to sleep for I the thoughts.
0: I'm glad I got to watch this movie and like God. I'm glad you did too. Yeah. It's
1: so much fun. It's such a like outside of like the larger I mean, it's so much fun because it also spawns a ton of conversation. You can talk about what's real, what's not. Is it an important movie? Is it not an important movie? I don't know. I think I love JFK. I hope I get. I've seen it too many times recently and I'm going to have to put it to bed for a little while but in 10 years I, I can't wait to jump back in it's such a fun movie I
0: want us to come back to this spot in 2029 <laughs> when they release the document and we yes I can't fucking wait.
1: 2029
0: baby